Hayes Califas and you're tuned into Mashigo Radio, the People Station. Yeah! <laughs> MashigoRadio.com. MashigoRadio.com. CR Radio Show. Sit back and get ready to party to the newest and hottest time hits on the planet. Now here's your host, Juan Mendoza. All right, all right. Thank you all so much for joining us here at the Mastringon Radio Show Podcast. I am your host, Juan Mendoza. On behalf of my baby, Laila Lisa, Laila Lisa Promotions, all of our DJs and affiliates, want to welcome you to another great show. This is our final interview for 2020. And we wanted to do this right. We wanted to go out with a bang this year. And ladies and gentlemen, we got an awesome, awesome cat on the line. He is my tío out there in California. One of the lowrider originators out there. He is a former member of War Originator. Uh, he came up with the name. He came up with the band and everything else. Of course, they go by the lowrider band nowadays. Ladies and gentlemen, my tío Harold Brown. What's going on, Mr. Brown? Everything, que paso, que paso, come on, showtime. <laughs> showtime. You know, I ask you what's going on, if you say nothing, I say, where the heck you at? <laughs> <laughs> Everything going on. <laughs> Everything. Like a big old bowl of gumbo, what you want? <laughs> you been spending time out here in Louisiana? <laughs> well, right now I'm in Southern California, Long Beach, California, yeah. where our band and stuff started. Nice. Where Charles Miller had sung Lowrider. Mm-hmm. Uh, he lived right down the street here. He went to Long Beach Poly. Nice. Uh, class of 1957, and Snoop Dogg graduated from Long Beach Poly. Nice. Yo, what out there? <laughs> and me, I've graduated from Long Beach Poly. And I mean, I'm blessed to be able to be able to come back home because we got everybody here. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's a, it's a real honor. I grew up listening to your guys' music. I'm a huge fan. And uh, I never thought this day would ever come that I would interview anybody from from war at all, period. You know, and I was glad that you accepted the invitation. <laughs> well, you know, what I'm trying to do is keep keep it alive. So all you young folks out there, have your dream. There you go. I always tell a lot of young people, don't live somebody else's dream. Live your dream. There you go. You have a dream, live it. Go for it. And don't let go. There you go. Now, we wanted to go back a little bit and tell your story. Uh, where did war form from? Who who formed war? How did the name come up? Oh, yeah. how, did you, how did y'all come up with war? Well, what really happened was uh, Howard Scott, He I met him up in Compton. Mm-hmm. And I was here in Long Beach. Actually, I met him here in Long Beach. And when I was seven years old, I knew I was going to be a famous musician. 
I used to lay in bed about 1956, 57, and listen to Johnny Otis. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you are familiar with Johnny Otis. Yeah. But he played a lot of uh, Latin music. He was Greek, mm -hmm. but he played a lot of Latin music, and he used a lot of uh, boleros and so forth. And I used to listen to him, and I kept saying, wow, one of these days I'm going to be a drummer. <laughs> I'm going to be famous. And I was laying about seven years old, maybe eight. I'd been playing the violin, trying to. <laughs> wasn't my instrument. <laughs> and then the spirit came to me one night and says, Harold, don't just lay here fantasizing. If you spend an hour to two hours a day doing what you want to be, you'll become that. So I went and right down the street from where I'm at now, I pawned my violin for a snare drum. Nice, nice. <laughs> I pawned it, and I got the snare drum, a stand, and a pair of sticks. And over at First Lutheran in Long Beach, right about 1959, it was uh, Han Sr., Principal Han Sr., that showed me how to hold a pair of drumsticks. And that was the beginning, that five minutes. So all you uh, big brothers and little sisters and big sisters and fathers out there, give somebody five minutes. You never know. You may be shaping their life for the future. So I started playing drums. And then not far from here, over on Orange and Alamitas, mm -hmm. I drove by there about a day ago, there was a club called the Cozy Tavern. Well, my daddy had been taking me around, and Big Mama Thornton, <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with Big Mama Thornton, but if you look her up, Big Mama Thornton, she did that one song, You Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog. The originator. Just a super. Yeah, she's the originator. Yeah. And she did my blue suede shoes that Elvis Presley got from her. Yeah. Hello now. <laughs> well, when I was a little kid, my daddy, about 1957, she had a club called The Web up in, you know, South Los Angeles, just above Compton, you know, Watts, Compton, and up on uh, Crenshaw, not on Crenshaw, but Western mm -hmm. in Manchester. So I went up there, and there she was. She was standing in the front of her club, the web. She had on some overalls, and I walked in, and she says, come on with me, boy. She was a drummer, too. <laughs> she played harmonica and drums. A lot of people don't realize she was a drummer. Yeah. Oh, now, see, I live in the city, so when you hear these sirens zooming by, yeah. you hear them. <laughs> I had to get used to that. <laughs> well, Somebody I, needs them. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, I, grew up in, I grew up in Houston, and, uh, of course, I'm already, I was already used to that right there. <laughs> I know. They'd be flying by here going this way and that way. Yeah. So I was with Big Mama Thornton the night that Johnny Ace, uh, he sung Pledging My Love. Mm. She said, come on with me. Yeah. Ain't nobody going to bother you, boy. Come on. So I was in the back, and it came on the radio that Johnny Ace was supposed to just shot himself in the head. I guess playing Russian roulette or something. Oh, wow. And I was with her. I found out later on from Taj Mahal, and if you research it, mm -hmm. a lot of folks believe that she shot him in the head. Oh, wow. I know, and I was with her, and she had a twenty-two pistol in her pocket and stuff, you know. <laughs> but uh, she was always nice to me, so I'd be around Johnny Otis, Big Mama Thornton, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, the Sims twins. 
I'm leaving all up to you yeah. to do what you want to do around them. I was around those guys. Hanging out so with anyway, the big cats, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I was just a kid, you know. Yeah. And uh, so then I got this call one day. It was probably about 1960, 1960, 1961. This uh, trio needed a drummer. There were two brothers. One played keyboard and one played sax. Mm -hmm. Well, over here, it was at the Cozy Lounge over here, not far from where I'm at right now. I go there. And I set up my drums. I look over there, and there's a young man playing bass. Mm -hmm. Who was that? That was my brother, Howard Scott. Nice. He's the one that sang Cisco Kid, yeah. lead vocal on Slipping in the Darkness. And we met each other right then. We've been together that long now. Wow, wow think about it, 1962. Way before, <laughs> way before war. <laughs> Way before war. So me and Howard, you know, I, I jammed that night. You know, I spoke to him in the back. I got his phone up. And so we hadn't seen each other for a little bit, maybe about 19, the late part of 1962, mm -hmm. 1963 or so. I told my father, I want to go up and meet Howard, you know, because I want to try to put a band together. I want to put this, you know, band together, and I wanted to talk to him. So... He drove me up there to Compton to see Howard, and I got with Howard, and I says, why don't we do a band together? So we started playing together, and we had a couple of guys, and we was uh, playing a lot of stuff that was on the jukebox then. Yeah. Like James Brown or, you know, Bobby Blue Bland, you know, blues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'd be playing all kind of stuff. And, uh, and then even back then, like Bobby Blue Bland and them. They were using like boleros. So I was inundated already with Latino grooves, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it was part of the blues. So then we go, you know, I get him. We started playing in a lot of clubs. We called ourselves the creators at that time because what we did, we took other people's music and then we would create, we would play the main motifs. The motif for p folks that don't know is like da 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 da, or motif is clink clock a clink clock a clink 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 clock a clink 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 clink. Well, that well everybody know that one. That's the hook for lowrider. Yeah. So that's the motif. So we would play other people's songs, but then we had a knack for like in the middle when we wanted to just jam, we'd make up songs and stuff in the middle of a song mm -hmm. that was on the radio. So we started calling ourselves the creators. So anyway, we started going, you know, and stuff. And we were together all up until I graduated from Long Beach Poly in 1964. Howard graduated uh, from Compton High in 1964. He walked around with that uh, a diamond necklace <laughs> with the state of Texas on it. Yeah. And I look at Howard, I said, hey, get out of here. You know, you got Texas on there. You need to be hanging Compton around your neck. <laughs> And so, uh, so we started playing. So in 1964, they gave me a full scholarship to Valparaiso University mm -hmm. because I was one of the top distance runners in the state of California. I was varsity captain and so forth. Mm -hmm. And I turned it down. They said, oh, what a waste. Remember, live your dream. Yeah. I wanted to be a musician. 
So I went over here down the street from here, over at the Long Beach Post Office, 1964. I took the test for the Marine Corps along with Henry McKine. He went to St. Anthony High School, not far from where I'm at now. Mm. We both took the test. We both passed. We come out. Have you ever heard of the butterfly effect? Yes. The chaos theory. If the butterfly had went to the right of the tree instead of the left of the tree, Katrina never would have happened, and I would have never been back here in my hometown, Long Beach. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we both walk out of the post office after taking our test for the Marine Corps. We come out, and then him and I, I, I came down this alley where I parked the car, and there was a business. I'm right down two blocks from it now, 333 East Broadway. Mm -hmm. I went there. And Eugene Silva, who graduated for me, he had a business, auto detail, body and fender shop. I said, wait a minute. He's about to lose it, and I had been saving money. I said, you know what? I'll bring up your lease, pay off everybody you owe, on one condition, lay off everybody, and we do all the work. Wow. When I was only 18, I started making all kinds of money. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I purchased an airway rental car. Yeah. So God had changed my whole direction in life. I got there and I made everybody go join the musicians' union, local 47 up in Hollywood, mm -hmm. which at the time was on Vine. Uh, went up there and it was Vince DeBerry. Vince DeBerry handled all the capitals. Well, he played trumpet with uh, 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 was the uh, Desi Lou, you know what's uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm having a senior moment. But he played with Lucia Ball and Desi Arnaz mm -hmm. and they banned the theme song. So we all joined the Musicians Union. The next thing I know, we're all being booked, one of the first young black bands, <laughs> on Sunset. Oh, wow. We were playing the Whiskey A Go-Go, Gazaris, <laughs> the Team Palladium. The high class. Right there, the high class stuff. We'd open up our, the yeah. Righteous Brothers, nice. and Tina Turner, all kinds of people. So we started going and buying new banks that had the dating game television program yeah and he had a couple of clubs called the cinnamon Cinders. cc cinema Cinder. he had some songs out about it <laughs> so we played in his club and then the next thing i know we were gone he, uh, he owed us some money i'm gonna tell you the union the musicians union took care of us because mm -hmm. to this day right now in 2020 2021 they send me a check, retirement check at the first of each month oh, wow. from the Musicians Union and sat after along with the rest of my, our royalties that we've been blessed to get. Mm -hmm. It's the music business, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. So, all of a sudden, we were going to be booked in Las Vegas at the, you know, the Thunderbird Hotel. They were going to pay us $500 each a week plus our rooms and stuff. Now think about it. That's 1960, 64, you know. Yeah. One of the things that I wanted to make sure I don't want to forget this, but June of, uh, you know, right about, mm, let me see, boom, 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 February of 1965, we were in El Paso, Texas. Mm -hmm. We were playing at Rusty Kelly's place, they called uh, uh, Basin Street East. And we were playing at this club, and an old man Fulbright, you can find him in the history books, 
he came, he heard us playing. He says, wow, you guys are some great young musicians. I got an artist that's up and coming. His name is Otis Redding. Did you hear me? Yes, Otis Redding. Otis Redding. <laughs> yeah. Before we had it, we're down there in El Paso, Texas. Wow. We used to go across the border and get our rum and stuff. And when we tried to come back across the El Paso, they took all of our rum and was pouring into the Rio Grande. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> we was on the, I was on the border when Johnny Cash got busted, too. Wow, that's crazy stuff right there. <laughs> so anyway, because we'd go over there because we wasn't making a lot of money. But we'd go over to Mexico, and we could get us a, a whole chicken for you know, a buck. Yeah, you know, a buck and a half, mm -hmm. and that would be like two or three of us, right? Yeah. So then we come back across the border, and we get there, and then he wanted us to be in Otis Redding's band, Old Man Fulbright. Mm -hmm. We come back to California. Now we're, I'm talking about this is about uh, yeah, June of 1965. Henry McKay, my buddy, who took the test with me for the Marine Corps. We're playing at Centennial High's Prom mm -hmm. out at LAX, one of the big hotels, uh, yeah, Los Angeles Airport. And he was in his full dress and said, oh, you could have one of these. I was in my band uniform, my blue jacket, and Howard was there. We thought, wow, that's great, man. Go back to El Paso because we didn't get the gig be with Otis Redding because Lonnie Jordan was still touring his war, Yeah, the only person. He don't own the name, by the way. <laughs> he was too young his mother wouldn't let him go mm -hmm. so our hearts was broken we come back to california september of 1965 i put up this newspaper and looked at it with the los angeles sentinel yeah i seen pfc henry mckine and sergeant so-and-so henry mckine and i was the ones that took the test for the Marine Corps, mm. and if I hadn't started my own bit, I found out that whole plane crashed on the side of the mountain oh, wow. and killed him coming from Camp Pendleton. Man. That's when I knew right then. I said, whoa, God has got something else for me. I wasn't supposed to be there. That's that chaos theory right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you made, you made and, your calling way back before that, so that was a good thing. Exactly. That was a good thing. And then... It wasn't but a few months, you know, and then we supposed to be an Otis Redding fan. About a year and a half, two years later, his Otis Redding uh, plane crashed. Mm, wow. And he it got killed. Uh, the only person I know the bass player, I met the bass player and maybe one other guy. Mm. So I said, wow, I missed two airplane crashes. <laughs> <laughs> God was really looking out for you, huh? That's right. I'm the oldest out of five boys, and I'm the only one still living. Wow. And I say, why me, Lord? And he says, you keep moving don't stop <laughs> okay yes I go. so then you know so then we kept on going then all of a sudden the vietnam war came mm -hmm. we were getting ready to play there in las vegas we we're getting 500 dollars a week think about it. young black men and stuff coming from compton long beach san pedro mm -hmm. <laughs> south los angeles yeah survived the watts riots and stuff i got caught up in the middle of the watts riots coming from bob eubanks club in North Hollywood. Wow. <laughs> so, so then all of a sudden, Howard Scott gets drafted. Mm -hmm. Bobby Nicholson was our player. He's no, you know, horn player. He's no longer with us. He's in the creators. And then I said, oh, wow. And then all of a sudden I said, well, got to do something different. 
So, you know, I wind up being a Class A machinist. I studied machining. All you young people out there that hear this, if you're in school, learn, learn some skills. Yeah. Learn skills. Because if I hadn't studied machine shop, machining, you know, metal and wood, mm-hmm. and drafting and stuff in school, I wouldn't have had another avenue. And at that time, I, you know, they wouldn't draft me because I had my own business, one, and I had my oldest son, Ray. Mm-hmm. He was born, and my second one was on the way. Wow. So they didn't draft me. So they gave me a job. I worked as a machinist. Mm-hmm. And then I found I could make more money at night, which brings us to Howard. He comes out of the you know, Vietnam War approximately about 1967. I think it was about 1967 he came back. Yeah, but 1967, somewhere in there, 67, 68. So he comes on back, and he was about to work in the hospital. You know, I said, Howard, let's try it one more time. If we don't make it this time, you can go do what you do, and I'll go do what I do. <laughs> That's why you don't give up. Yeah. I learned that being a distance runner. <laughs> you don't give yeah. up. So then... I said, I got an idea. Let's name the group the Night Shift because I was working at night in the machine, you know, as a machinist. Yeah. So we went from the creators to the Night Shift. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we started going, and then uh, I found, you know, started re-putting people together. And Papa D. Allen that played Kungus and more. Yeah. He's original. Yeah. We're original. I was in out in Pomona, California, by the Los Angeles Fairgrounds. I pulled up in this gas station, and that was about 19, eh, I got to say, approximately 1968, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I go in there, and I see this gentleman in there beating on a pair of bongos and a kunga at the same time in the, in the gas station. He always drove those Ramblers, American. Yeah. <laughs> he, every time we go by a Ramblers place, he'd make us stop the car, and he'd get out and salute it. <laughs> And so then, I said, man, you want to be in a band? I said, come on with us. So he came on with us. So then, I kept trying to, you know, we had some gigs here and there and stuff. And I got down to my last $7. I knew they couldn't kick us out of our home for at least 12 months. Mm-hmm. And I was down to my, and I, got, I always carry $7 in my pocket. I was down to my last $7. I was looking for a job up, you know, in North Hollywood to be a manager at a thrifty drugstore or something. And I come back and I says, wait a minute. I can't give up now. I had to use the bathroom. I come down on Sunset Boulevard. I go over to Liberty Records across from Hollywood High. I'm looking for Marshall Lieb. Marshall Lieb produced What the World Needs Now is Love, Sweet Love. Mm-hmm. And he produced a song called Last Night. do 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 and I'm the one doing those drum rolls because the other drummers couldn't do it, yeah. right? And so I get in, I, I get there, I'm looking for it. I go into Liberty Records, there's a lady sitting there, they all look like Lucille Ball with that little hair, you know, roll of hair on the side of the head. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like headphones or something, yeah. but only hair. <laughs> so then he wasn't there. He says, well, go down to Jim Head Productions, Doheny and Sunset. That's how Deacon Jones wound up in our band, mm. the night shift, Deacon Jones. Yeah. So I go down there, and I'm looking for Marshall Lee. She said, another lady looked like Lucille Ball. He's down <laughs> over in a little white house. 
And then I go in there and I, I, I walk in, you know, I go in there, another lady looked like Lucille Ball with the roll on her head. I could hear him talking. <laughs> I started walking back and see gold records on the wall. He says, Harold, oh, you can't go back there. Yeah, yeah, see, he wants to see me. I walk in and Marshall looks at and says, Harold, I've been thinking about you. Excuse me. Uh, Sonny, this is Harold Brown. Harold Brown, this is Sonny Bono. Hello. Oh, wow. Come on now. <laughs> I'm down about seven bucks, six dollars, right? Yeah. During that time period, uh, gasoline costs about 26 cents a gallon. Mm -hmm. I could get me a burrito and a Coke for a dollar and a quarter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then, uh, so he said, wait on me. So I sat there and waited. And then when they came out to Sonny Bono stopped, talked to me for a minute. And then the Marshall Lee said, Harold, come on with me. Because he knew I could know how to record in the studios. I got an early start. Mm -hmm. That was a blessing. Yeah. And so I go down to the, uh, 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 what is that? Uh, oh, this old oldies but goodies station recording studio. Art LeBeau. Art yeah. LeBeau. Yeah. Oldies by goodies, Art LeBeau. I went in the studio there. It was on Sunset and Fairfax. It's not there anymore. So I go up there. I'm sitting there at the counter. You know, sitting up there. He's over the mixing board. He gets a phone call. Ring, 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 ring. Oh, yes, Timmy. Oh, you need a drummer? Oh, I got one of the best in the city. <laughs> so he gives me this address, and I start heading towards... King's Drive, which was heading towards Beverly Hills, mm -hmm. and then and then uh, King Drive goes north off of uh, uh, Sunset. I'm going. I seen these big old houses. I said, "Whoa, my luck is changing." Remember, I was down to my last seven. I probably only got about five bucks left, maybe four and a half dollars. After Kids the burrito, all about to get kicked out. <laughs> and it, yeah, probably four. <laughs> 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 and a little sip left yeah. with some ice in it <laughs> the Coke and Coke. So then, and probably a chocolate bar. <laughs> and so then, that's why they call me Chocolate Monster. Anyway, <laughs> Chocolata. <laughs> so then, so then I, I go on up the hill and I get there and I go in there. I see all these guys sitting around. And it was Timmy Ural, the famous jazz singer. Mm -hmm. Timmy Ural. She's sitting there, guys are all sitting there telling them, well, hey, we need a, you know, uh, we could do it, but I, I need guitar strings. Well, I need drumsticks, or, uh, or, or uh, we need transportation. And I said to myself, I'm not leaving our band, but these guys, I know <laughs> what I do. When I get back down the hill, I'm going to go up and tell Marshall Lee that, uh, 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 call Timmy. Tell him to get rid of those guys. We got a band ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> so I get back down the hill. I go to Art LeBeau's studio. You know, I go up there, and there's this little guy sitting on the stoops, on the steps. And he's just all crying. He said, oh, they always do this to me. Oh, what am I going to do now? What? I said, man, what's wrong? It was R.B. Greaves before he had his first hit record. Mm. Three times, sent a letter to Maria. Yeah. It was R.B. Greaves. I said, man, what's wrong, man? It was, he was going by Sonny Charles at Sonny Childs at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was related to Sam Cooke, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was related to Sam Cooke. So then, I said, man, you got gigs? I got a band. 
I ran back to mom and them always told us, keep you a dime in your pocket. Yeah. Or you <laughs> Never know. I ran behind the, yeah, I go to the telephone, but I call up Howard and said, get the guys together. We're getting ready to start. And then that's when all of a sudden we started rehearsing and stuff. Mm -hmm. I had, a, we, had, we had about 13 people in the band. We had a review and it was a, 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 a the football player. Uh, Deacon Jones, we had him in there. Sonny Childs, we had the girls singing in Ironic, who later on wind up singing behind Dr. John and stuff on Night Tripper and all that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, we're playing there, you know, in North Hollywood. We're playing really Ragdoll uh, uh, out on Ventura Boulevard, and we're playing. Now, I had this, uh, uh, the bass player, he, he always uh, used to tell me, he, he had a favorite, I can't think of his name just right at the moment, he always kept telling me, he's got a friend, his name is Eric Burden, and he wants to come see us play. <laughs> okay, so that last night that we were there, I didn't know what I was going to tell the guy, but the club owner told me that everybody that played there wound up being a very, you know, big band. Yeah. You know, Deep Purple and everybody had played there, mm -hmm. Spiral Stair Staircase and all that. Mm -hmm. So last night there, Deacon Jones didn't show up because I don't think he wanted to tell us, you know, that we this was our last night. And we're there, and lo and behold, I see a Jaguar out in front of the place. We're up there, you know, we're up there playing. We used to jam because we were a jam band yeah. with an night shift. I see this little skinny guy coming up, had an afro bigger than mine. <laughs> and he says, can I play my harmonica with you? Can I play my harmonica? Harmonica? That was Lee Oscar. Mm. <laughs> he came up, we started playing, we started playing blues. And we were doing shuffles, you know, da 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 and then we started going kang 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 We was all over the place for about forty minutes, forty five minutes. And when we finished everybody was standing on top of the tables and everything out there. Wow. So then we jumped forward and then that was approximately, you know, about, you know, June of 1960, yeah, I got to say, we're probably, you know, the late part of uh, 1968. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we went, you know, and they said they wanted to talk to you. Gee, you guys are really great. Uh, I'd like to hook up with you. I think I was in a June or something. And then we were supposed to meet up. They asked could we meet up with them in Laurel Canyon. Because that's where all the, you know, everybody lived, you know, in Laurel Canyon at the time. Yeah. All the hippies and stuff. <laughs> so then we go there, you know, and it was on a Sunday. We go there, and then we started, you know, we sat in there, and they had all this food. And that's the first time I got a hold of any bagels, locks and bagels. <laughs> 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 I looked around and said, you got any hot sauce? <laughs> <laughs> Put a little flavor in it, huh? <laughs> yeah, because you know they like the bagels. Huh? Yeah. yeah. Say, I ain't got nothing against it. But throw me some hot sauce on this mama. <laughs> <laughs> and, and my buddy used to say, this mama jammer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> throw some hot sauce on it. So we got some hot sauce, you know, and we're sitting there talking that night. First time I met Eric Burton from the animals, mm -hmm. he was out by the swimming pool. He had on his black, you know, hot bathing, you know, swimsuit with his Ray-Bans, wearing his Ray-Bans, right? Looking mm. very Hollywoodish, right? Yeah. Then we started talking, 
And then he went into how he got beat out of millions of dollars. And I said to myself, how the heck can somebody get beat out of millions of dollars? You know? And now I do understand if you don't take care of business, right? Yeah, business first. <laughs> so, well, you got it. That's what it is. It's the music business. <laughs> and so then, that night we all kicked it and got introduced and stuff. And, and it was Steve Gold. Steve Gold, give God praise, he's no longer with us, but his first hit record was La Bamba. Mm. Right. Yeah. And he told me how he met my he met him out there, you know, at a fruit stand. And the guy was his first hit record he did. You know, got La Bamba, mm. Richie Havens. Yeah. And he told me he was in his old Cadillac. He's out there by the fruit stand and out there by San Fernando. You know, by a fruit stand, and he heard uh, Rich Haven on the side, ba la 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 bamba, and he got the idea to do it. And he's the one that taught me it's not good enough to have one hit record, you need two. The first one makes people get attention, the second one is how you get paid. Oh, <laughs> Business strategies. <laughs> yeah, because people, because he said they had that first one. Yeah. I forget what the first one was, Rich And then. The people he was having trouble collecting his money. Mm-hmm. And they call up Steve and say, Man, that's really a nice record you got there. We'd sure like to get some more pressed. And he said, Well, I'll give you some more. I'll press some more for you when you pay me for the last one. <laughs> 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 and so, so uh, Steve, whenever you hear, Why Can't We Be Friends? Yeah. And that boy, <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> that's Steve Gold. Nice. Matter of fact, the face was kind of resembles his. Oh, okay. I was, gonna ask, I was going to ask later on, where did that face come from? Oh, yeah, Steve Gold. <laughs> Excuse me. So, so anyway, that night, they said, well, you know, let's meet. And this was over there in, uh, uh, what do you say, Westwood, off of, uh, you know, the exclusive area, Beverly Hills, right in there. And then that's when we were sitting there. We was there, you know, went and had the meeting. Mm-hmm. And then Steve Gold and them and Jerry Goldstein, they had a, a, a place called Far Out Productions. Well, essentially what they did, and this is why they knew a lot of the musicians and artists, mm-hmm. was because they made posters for a lot of the groups and stuff, like Jimi Hendrix and so forth and whomever. Yeah. And they were a poster company. Okay, so we're there. You know, we go over and we meet with them that Monday. And at that meeting at that time, it was uh, Howard Scott, Charles Miller, uh, Papa D. Allen, Lee Oscar, Howard Scott, and myself. And the bass player we had right then is still... You know, God forgive me, I still forget his name. It's it slipping, it come to me. And, uh, and Steve Gold and Jerry Goldstein. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there. And we're sitting there talking. And then Steve Gold looked at everybody and he says, <laughs> Well, you guys look like you just came out of a battlefield. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was at the time everybody was talking peace. Because when we drive down Sunset, Mm-hmm. We'd see what's in the linens, you know, signs, you know, big poster signs. Yeah. Peace. Yeah. And there was, you know, you know, peace marches and so forth. So then he says, everybody else talking peace. 
this is what we want to do. We got Eric here. What we'll do, we'll take Eric Burton, and this is when they first shot the rocket, you know, the missiles into outer space and released the Sputniks and so forth. Yeah. In fact, that's what they had me working on when they was building the potentiometers and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what kept me out of the, going to Vietnam. So they had came with the analogy, what we're going to do, we're going to use Eric Burton as the, 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 the uh, rocket should take you out there. Then when they get out there, it's Eric Burton in war, and then it's going to release it, and then we'll have another entity war. We're going to name you war. Yeah. And that's how it came about. So yeah. so when our first songs, you know, like Spill the Wine, which, you know, came from, uh, you know, being in the studio, different people will tell you different stories. But I remember Lonnie and somebody up there getting all happy and knocked over a bottle of wine and went in the music board and stuff and everybody they moved us to the back studio <laughs> <B>. <laughs> and then that's when eric started coming up with this idea spill the wine and we put our latin you know thing on it mm-hmm. you know the cha-cha kind of flavor right yeah and that's when he started singing it and then he had a young lady and they had a tent set up and they put a microphone in there <laughs> and that's how you know we came up with our first song our first hit spill the wine there was a lot of there was a lot of things that were that were saying that that song was you know substance abuse you know well not abuse but you know of course you were laying in the grass you know just thinking about these things I guess in the dream or something like that. Oh yeah, well, a lot of our songs you're like uh, you know go you know go to the mountain and so forth. They had that because that was when they was having you know all the acid you know out there and yeah. the other stuff you know. And I did it, you know, but I give God praise. He delivered me from it. Yeah. That was one of the things that, you know, was going on. And then people would be bringing this. And then I try to tell people now, people that come to you and bring you those drugs and hand them to you, Mm. that's not your friends. No. No, that's not your friends. Because some kind of way, you know, as we, you know, toured and we started doing all that in about 1983, that's when I left the group because I didn't like being around a lot of drugs. Spirit came and said, this is not you. Mm-hmm. And then, and then give guys right now, weed is legal in California. I don't even smoke. <laughs> 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 I'd have to go to no funny farm. I have to admit, though, after 5 o'clock, I'm home. And before I start cooking, I have to have me a shot of tequila. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> So then, you know, we got into the studio. What I like when we met Eric, we didn't go right into the studio. Eric would sit there and he would play all the different artists that he liked, you know, different artists kind of music. Mm-hmm. And he that was listening to it. And we did that for about, a, you know, at least two months or so before we ever even went into the studio. Yeah. Rolling Kurt, uh, Bobby Blue, I mean, the Rolling Stones. That's why, like, when you see a lot of our early uh, albums, like Black Man Burton and stuff, that have painted black, yeah. different songs on it. Because we were, like, uh, very fortunate. But then because the way we grew up in Southern California here, Southern California, we had a lot of, like I tell people, when I was coming up as a kid over here at 1095 East 21st Street, mm-hmm. on that corner... The closest black family to me was a half a block away, the Scots. Yeah. But Bobby Montez was across the street from me. Uh, we had uh, 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 Filipinos. 
with Japanese, they're Ukara, and then they just came out to concentration camps. Mm. I never forget one thing. <laughs> I don't offend nobody, but I was sitting there at the gate. You know, I was only probably about maybe four or so. This little white kid across the street kept hollering out the door, nigger, 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 wow. and then I hollered back at him. I hollered back at him, nigger, nigger, nigger. <laughs> <laughs> and his grandmother snatched him and snatched him back in the house. Because <laughs> to me, <laughs> I didn't realize even, you know, about black. Yeah. I grew up with, look this up. Let's talk, you know, for a moment, the Zoot Suit Riots. Yeah. Zoot Suit Riots took place here in Long Beach, North Long Beach right about 1944. And it was a thing that happened where uh, a young man, he's getting ready to go, you know, to the Army. He's getting ready to go to the Army, and they found him dead up in the swamps. Wow. And there's a book I'm going to recommend to y'all to read, to your readers. It's called The Sleepy Lagoon Murder Case. The Sleepy Lagoon Murder Case, written by Mark A. Swartz. Last name spelled W as in William, E-I-T-Z. It was Race Discrimination of Mexican-American Rights. The Sleepy Lagoon Murder Case. Right. And the gentleman that that represented him Mm -hmm. was George E. Shibley. Look him up. <laughs> George E. Stibley. He started for him in 1942. He fought for all those young Latinos. And the uh, beautiful thing about it, I knew him, and <laughs> his wife <laughs> was my den mother in the Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. Oh, wow. And his and their son, <laughs> their son. We talk all the time. Hmm. We run together. <laughs> wow, short world, small world there. Yeah. Yeah. And then what we did before was before Martin Luther King and everybody was marching and stuff. They would, their parents would send them over to our home. They would stay at our house, and we'd visit. And I'd go and stay at their house. So we was doing all this stuff in the early 50s, like 51, 52, 52, you know. Yeah. It's all, all up in the mix. Mm-hmm. So I just had the advantage, give God praise, that I grew around. I had the whole thing. I'll tell you a little, little funny story. Uh, it was about, about in the fifth grade, and they started talking about race. And I drove by the school all the time where it happened. <laughs> and that tree out of sandbox is still there yeah. from the 50s. Yeah. And they brought up color. And I never forget, when I still remember to this day as if it happened just a few months ago, I was pushing my nose up trying to see what color my nose was. And I was looking down at my hand. <laughs> 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 and I'm right here, you know. Yeah. I get joy out of it, actually. Because even when I moved to New Orleans for a bit, I moved to the project. I left my mansion vacant. I was in the, they they, they they didn't call the uh, condos, they call it the condominiums. (laughs) (laughs) Condominiums. 
<laughs> and the little kids, they would look at me and say, Mr. Mister, what's your name is? What's your name? I said, my name is Harold Brown. Eh? Mr. Mister, what's your name is? <laughs> Harold Brown. He sounds like a white man. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't sound Southern like they did, huh? <laughs> Uh-uh, no, where y'all come from? What y'all doing all up in here, man? <laughs> what you, what? <laughs> That's from the south there. <laughs> That's the first thing I do to kids now. He sounds like a white man. <laughs> I still laugh about it. So, but then, you know, it was a different culture. So what I did was a blessing. I defended myself. I had my mansion. I left the bacon for a year, and I just got him a little old. You know, Chevy went down there and they lived in the projects. Mm -hmm. And I learned a valuable lesson. Because those people got up every day, clean up around their places. Because living in the projects don't mean you're not a good person. Yeah. And there was good people and stuff. And I'd walk from there down to the Sanger Theater on Canal Street, which has been there since 1927 or so. Got me a job. Nobody knew who I was. Yeah. I worked as a stage, and there was only a couple of people. <laughs> uh, one of my buddies, he's no longer with us. Uh, uh, he played drums with Dr. John and stuff. And oh, okay. Different people they knew, and then I'd be there, and when they busted me, I was down there playing. Yeah, his name was Herman Ernest. Mm. He played drums like on Coochie Coochie, Ya Ya Ya, and all those kind of songs. Yeah. And then I'm there, and I'm, you know, I'll never forget, I was over on my knees. I was taping down some cable. And then he was talking to somebody. He was a big dude. They called him the Intimidator. And this one guy sitting there, looking at him, he says, that's the man over there. That's the man. He's with MC Hammer. He knew who I was. He busted me. Oh, wow. And, and then, uh, what's his name from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the bass player? What's his name? Uh, uh, I can't remember right He knew. Yeah. Yeah. He, he says, we know Harold knew us ever since before we started. <laughs> and Gladys Knight, I'd be on the side of the stage, you know, I was uh, bringing, the, you know, uh, lights, house to half, and then so forth, close the curtains and stuff. Yeah. Gladys Knight would run over there and snatch my glasses off my face all the time. <laughs> 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 I mean, Liberace. Yeah. He played. I had to go find him a piano. Wow. Those were beautiful moments. And then what's her name? You too big now. First show she ever did, different people. But I got a chance to debase myself, and it worked. I worked my way back up the ladder so I could see a lot of different things, you know. Yeah. So, you know, because a lot of times when we get to be, be stars, big stars, mm -hmm. and then you go out on stage, well, there's a lot more to it. And what I always do, you know, I said I had a saying I developed. If it wasn't for stage hands. We'd all be garage bands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I worked my way all the way up, and they treated me well. They made, you know, they had me doing big shows. Gee, I can't have some big shows had me working them, stuff. Yeah. And so then we got on, you know, so then after we started making all those hits, and you know, like, uh, as we came war and we got our first big hit, Slipping in the Darkness. Mm-hmm. I never forget it was Howard. We was over at the Olympic, the Olympic, the Olympia or something, in uh, Paris. And Howard had came up with this idea, slipping into darkness, because he had had a, some, got him some of them 
fancy boots, and it was too tight, and he couldn't get them off. <laughs> and his feet was hurting, so they gave him some medication to try to help the uh, pain. And all of a sudden, when he took that medication, he felt like he was slipping in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was going to say he was cutting off his circulation. He's about to pass out. <laughs> <laughs> and so, excuse me, so what I did, I was working. I heard this beat, kind of like a second line or something. Hmm. Ron was a good buddy of mine, a drummer. Hmm. He was playing something. But then I got over my house, and I kept beating on my drum, playing that. That groove you hear in the slipping in the dark. Yeah. And I said, hey, what am I going to do? The next song we ever do, we try it, I'm going to make it fit. And if we started doing that slipping in the darkness, <laughs> and they had to <laughs> make it work to that drum beat. Yeah. That slipping in the darkness. And matter of fact, I was the only one written up in that uh, jazz magazine, Downbeat. Hmm. They wrote me up in there for that, you know, that drumming and stuff. Yeah. And then I found out later why it took off so much when I got to New Orleans. A lot of the New Orleans drummers kind of uses that almost like a second line. Mm -hmm. And Calave works with it. Yeah. Ka, 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 ka. Da, yeah. da, 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 darkness. <laughs> and now I, I can play it now. I can play Calave with my left foot sometimes. <laughs> 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 and when we get into a jam, I just start, I take that and start playing it like a second line with the clock. <laughs> and you look, I look out there and I see people dancing. Because <laughs> that's what they said, you know. Yeah. They said, if it, if it don't got that groove, it don't mean a thing. Yeah. I always, I always, to that point. I always love the extended, I always love the extended version of it because they, when they come out with the CDs, they don't ever have the beginning part of that when you guys were like, whoa, 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 and you guys kept going on for a little while before the actual song kicked in. I know it. It was like, uh, you know, church. Yeah. And then, see, and that's the unique thing about our music because the, the neighborhood where we grew up in this, you know, with this, uh, with all the nationalities together, by the time I'd walk from our place to 21st Street in Lemon and then walk all the way back you know, up, up to 10th and then over here where, where I learned to play drums, I can see it out my window. Mm -hmm. It's about five blocks from me, maybe less. You know, well, maybe eight. <laughs> I walk fast. <laughs> 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 and uh, there, because it's uh, First Lutheran, we were the first black family at that school in the first, at that church in the first hundred year period. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I tell people, you can't discriminate against people. No. Because when you start going in there, you start digging into history, real history, real history. Uh, like I think I mentioned it to you, uh, of the listeners, check out General Vincent Guerrero. Oh, yeah, we talked about it the last time. Yeah, you know, Vincent, General Vincent Guerrero. Whew, I'm not going to check him out. <laughs> And how they did it, get mad. Some, but he was one of the, uh, you know, I've had, I posted about him once. Mm. We are talking about Latin history, you know, we, Latin, you know uh, Latino week or whatever. Yeah. I posted that, and one guy came up and said, hey, he was actually the first black president. Because <laughs> 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 he got the Latino blood, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even you start going to that, and how they did him, you know, was terrible. Yeah. And then 
the history. And then when I go there and, and, and now the Spanish were here, then I look, and when the Germans came over in the late 1800s and stuff, I don't ship island off the coast of Louisiana. They couldn't come up here. They stayed out on that, on that coast. Then when they came up here, they made them go Death Almonds in New Orleans. That's the German coast. Wow. They made them go all north and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the Indians started killing them. They had to come back down. Yeah. Uh, look at the, uh, uh, the other one, the Italian experiment. Mm. The Italians was brought over here to replace the emancipated slaves. Wow. Come on now. <laughs> you could have been a history Irish teacher. Was all up. <laughs> yeah. The, the Irish, yeah. they was, you know, the, the slaves are too expensive. So they used the Irish to dig the, uh, the, you know, the channel mm. there, the Irish channel. Because they was losing, I forget how many hundreds of people building that. Yeah. <laughs> so see, we all, none, none of us, you know, when God created us all, he created us all. Yeah. And we're like every color in the rainbow. Mm -hmm. And we all have the same feelings inside. Yeah. We're yeah. more like inside than we're on the outside. We're more like on the inside than we're on the outside. So that's why people, we have to stop and understand each other and listen. You know, I never forget, I grew up here in Southern California. And so if I want to make me some burritos, a taco, a taco <laughs> shell. When I first moved to New Orleans, I couldn't find no taco shell. No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> no burritos. No. Even, even to this day, you can't find them. <laughs> I know it. No. I mean, but see, we, 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 as, you know, people of the world, mm -hmm. got to understand how interconnected we are. Yeah. And we need to start, you know, showing more love. That's what war music was all about. I noticed that you guys implemented a lot of things like that in your music, you know, of course, through the years, uh, you know, whether it was, you know, being in the in the ghettos, being in the streets, being with all like the riots and the wars and everything going on and stuff like that. You you guys implemented everything in that in your music. You know, why can't we be friends? You know, instead of, you know, I seen you at the welfare line, you know, and it's crazy that you guys use, you know, simple things like that, you know, being in the welfare line, you know, a lot of people were, you know, can work or just you know looking for money to survive on you know and you guys implemented a lot of that stuff in your guys's music through the years well yeah because see that's the reason why it hurts my heart i get so mad sometimes when i drive our streets i see these homeless people and stuff stuck you know and i'm saying wait a minute but then Turn on the news or something. Look at this big old huge stadium we done just built here. And look what you got here. And look what you got. I don't, I, you know what? Uh, uh, lo siento. Excuse me. Help <laughs> <laughs> <F> them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they can build all these big athletic stadiums. Yeah. But we can't take care of our people. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sure. Some of them thought might have been, well, they got on drugs. Or they, but they're losing their jobs. They can't eat and stuff. You can't point your finger. And you shouldn't look down on somebody unless you're looking down to help them up. Yeah, exactly. And then I, I find that because I find me, you know, just being able to communicate with people. I had a lady laughing the other day. I was speaking some Spanish with her. <laughs> <laughs> I could tell she was saying, and I don't know. I just, just certain words started coming out of my mouth. She was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> She was doing something. I said, well, which is God said, send it. She said, I don't know how to. And then I said, uh, uh, no, I don't care. 
don't mean, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she got it. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. Lo siento, <laughs> <laughs> She fell out laughing. And that, that made my day made hers. Because I could tell she was kind of like depressing and you know, working, you know, as one of uh, the grocery store and stuff. Yeah. And yeah. we was laughing. But just simple words, gratitude, a smile. We need to make, you know, make America smile again. There you I go. I got this stuff over I'm thinking about, you know, a song like that. Yeah. I'd be writing stuff. You know, make America. Because we're all, you know, the world is all of us. We mm. need each other. Yeah. I don't care if you live on the other side of the planet. We need each other. Because yeah. if we don't pay attention and stuff, the whole world is going to go poof. <laughs> I can understand that. that. Yeah. I can understand the, uh -huh. the point of that song. You know, you guys did, you know, the, it seems like the world is a ghetto. I mean, not, not literally, but it's just uh -huh. the fact that everything that we're going through here, a lot of people are hurting, a lot of people are suffering, and, you know, nobody's exactly. there to help them out. You know, it just feels like a big ghetto, you know. Exactly. And we have to. We have to know how to come together, you know. And, yeah. and that's what I'm working on now, you know. Because mm -hmm. like I mentioned, uh, you know, when I was very young, uh, I started shooting film. First camera I ever bought <laughs> was an 8-millimeter Ball U. Yeah. <laughs> and then a 16-millimeter. <laughs> so we've got all this film that I got stored in Howard Hughes' old ball up in Hollywood. Yeah. From my early days. Wow. And it's and I'm trying to get to that point where we can probably within the next year or so I can be able to get you know we get to work on our documentary a real documentary. Yeah. I mean this footage is old footage. <laughs> now and, you... then, and the music, what's that? You know, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you, no. I want to hear what you say. Oh <laughs> no, no, no! I was gonna I was gonna uh, go to a different subject, but go ahead and finish. Oh no! I want to see us get the you know do another war album. Mm -hmm. Get a, another war book out. Nice. We got one book out. I might mention if people want to get a hold of it. It's called "Slipping Out of Darkness: The Story of War." Nice. And it's by Bob Reggio. "Slipping Out of Darkness: The Story of War." That's one of the first ones. I had to get it done. <laughs> Now, you guys have had uh, some successful albums, you know, uh, All Day Music was uh, was a great album. Uh, the World is a Ghetto, uh, you had a live album back in the day, it's 1973. And then, of course, uh, Why Can't We Be Friends, we were talking about The Face. Um, now, when you guys did that one, Why Can't We Be Friends, of course, one of your biggest hits to this day, every Latino has pretty much played it, and it's still popular within the community. And then uh, every comedian's pretty much used it, you know, as their intro. Of course, was Lowrider used it in many movies. Uh, did you guys ever think that that song would make it as big as it did? Uh, we kind of, you know, that, that was that was really strange. Charles Miller, you know, he's my I used to call him my big brother because he's seven years older than me, <laughs> and he grew up right here in Long Beach. We were in the studio one day, <laughs> and we were recording. In some kind of way, I found myself up on an upbeat. Instead of doom ba, a lot of guys play doom da pa pa doom da, but I was on a oompa, uh, uh, like a oompa yeah. kind of thing. And all of a sudden, BB fell in there. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I looked over there at Charles, 
uh, the sax player, mm-hmm. my big brother, I said, picture just popped up on my screen just now of him. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Steve Topley, who broke it, yeah. broke the record. He started saying, all my friends know the little rider. Because, see, here when I was coming up, I remember in the 50s, they used to have these old Mercury's and stuff. That was their favorite lowrider. Mm-hmm. And they'd be lowered in the front. Yeah. And then they would lower them back. And then, and this is what, by me being in the body and fender stuff, I built me a 57 I had. Um, lowriders, <laughs> they were the first recyclers. We'd go to the junkyards and stuff and find parts. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then I remember taking them, and I used to take them one of mine low. I take the back and I take my rings, you know, the the the, the uh, rings, not the rings, but the springs, and then we take them off, Jack, and we cut a couple of uh, the loops on them off, mm-hmm. and then they'd be real low, and then bam! <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember when we used to cruise like out from Pomona, I come through the hills, you know, by some Diamond Bar, down to Long Beach, Compton. The police would stop me, and what they did. They had this caliper on the end of a long stick light. And what they did, they measured from your rim down to the ground. And then they would take it and they would slide it under your car. Hmm. Now, if it could go all the way under there, they didn't get a ticket. But if it couldn't slide all the way across, you got a ticket. That was a measurement? How, how far would it have to be off the ground? Yeah, because they would know that it would be dragging on the ground. <laughs> If you had a blown out tire, if you didn't have enough clearance in there, you got a ticket. Wow. <laughs> and then and then the uh, old trucks used to have the jack, and what do you call it, too? The tailgates, you know, the where you could bump them up and down. Yeah. They said that was a in the commodity, because you'd come back, you'd rent you a truck, you'd come back and go up under there and find out they done took all, you can't jack because they done took your pump jack. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, lifts yeah. the air lifts away wow. <laughs> crazy oh man <laughs> so even then to this day you know that song is always popular like I said a lot of comedians have used it it was in movies it was in Cheech and Chong uh, Up in Smoke uh, George Lopez has used it as the intro Paul Rodriguez uh, Cheech Marin every Latino pretty much comedian has used the song you know and it's been quite a few movies as the, like those and uh, I think Days and Confused like I said, oh yeah, they use all of our music. <laughs> they use they use quite I a bit. It was, it was a lot of it was a lot of great hits that you guys had. Um, I even love the the slow ones that you guys had. You guys had uh, "Don't Let No One Get You Down," which was my yeah, ultimate no ultimate one. favorites. I love that song. Oh, now I'll tell you a quick story. Then here's one. So, uh, uh, Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. Him and I first met over in Germany in the Black Forest. And the last time I was with him was in Atlanta. And he's on my left side. He's walking in between B.B. and myself. Mm-hmm. And we're walking along. And he's on my left side. He was jacking me in my left shoulder with his arm. Well, actually, Lord, because he was short. He was short. No short jokes, but he was short. <laughs> <laughs> he's going, bro, bro, you're bad like my band. You're bad like mine, man. You street band. You street band. I do song for you. I do song for you. Get up, stand up, stand up for you, right? Yeah. That came from slipping in the darkness. Oh, wow. You know that motif? Yeah. Get up, stand up, ba-da-ba-ba-da. Mm-hmm. That's where he got it from. 
That's where he got that from. Uh, Shaggy used it. He used it. It wasn't me. He used our music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then let's see. So much of our songs, you know, they're, they're mixed into different things. Even like uh, China. That was a big hit. You ever heard of that song, China? Mm. I don't think so. Ooh, I got a, an award. I got it over there stacked up in the under the desk but over at the school. <laughs> China was done. It's called China, and it's one of the big hits. Matter of fact, they're gonna might be giving us a Grammy. They gave us a one of the top selling songs. Who's the guy that did that one? Boy, it's uh, <laughs> woo. It's called China. And what was his name? He's a famous Latino. That does. Uh, let me see what the heck, because it was a huge song, China song, and it's uh, ooh, opens coat, COD black. Uh, what's his name? Oh yeah, a day Yankee, Ozuna. Okay. Yeah, you got to check that one out. I might have to. That's a huge one. Yeah. yeah, and your Ed, Daddy Yankee, that's a huge song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they used it. They gave us an award for that one. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you have you have other uh, other like slow ballads. You had a uh, summer all day music, uh, soul, which was uh, which is awesome awesome hits. Oh yeah, that's a big one. I mean, we got so many songs. I have to go back and. We got a whole list. <laughs> one, one that I've been getting into lately was uh, the southern part of Texas. That's another one we I, did. I love that yeah, one. That was down there, yeah. That was yeah. catchy. I did a lot of our stuff. Yeah. Ooh, we got so many songs. I, you know, sometimes I'll be setting up listening, <laughs> and then I, you know, I say, oh, that's us, that's us. And then the thing about it, you know, the way we did it, it was music. Mm-hmm. A lot of people sample our stuff. Yeah. There's so many of our songs. Yeah. I'd have to pull out a huge list. <laughs> a lot of samples, a lot of covers, a lot of remakes, remixes. Yeah. Yeah. And then now, uh, you know, and then, and then that, so I've been working on a new project that's called Breaking Out, mm-hmm. which allows artists to make more money. Yeah. And independent, you know, young artists and stuff, because with that Spotify and stuff, it ain't young people ain't making no money. Yeah. And so we've got this new project, which I've been studying. That's what I was doing when you called the first time. Oh, okay. You know, reading so I can make sure I stay on my J-O-B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my brother, that's what he used to always say, J-O-B. J-O-B. But, yeah, my J-O-B, my job. <laughs> yeah, um, because it's... Very important. I'm listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of course, within the past, I, I can't remember exactly how far back um, you had went through legal issues and everything over the name and the the rights and stuff. And now you guys are called the Lowrider Band. What what right. was, what was exactly the the issue with the name change and the you know the the name you know possibly going to one hand and the then the rest of them. Well, what it was, you know, it's the old switcheroo, the old Hollywood shuffle. Back about 1987, when I wasn't in the band, and everybody kept telling me I was coming back in, a couple of guys 
including myself, signed that 1987 agreement, mm -hmm. which is stated that war belongs to far out. But then, but then, what's the nail in the coffin when we did our 1993 agreement? I love them, but a couple of the guys went in there and signed it again. If they hadn't signed it, that name would have came back to us. Yeah. They didn't know what they were doing, you know, so, hey, hey I'll give you this if you do this. Because me, personally, I was offered to star on Hollywood Boulevard, I don't know, five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. But I knew it was the old Hollywood Shuffle. Yeah. Because you, you, they don't give you that star. You pay for that. You go to Chamber of Commerce, you give them money, and then the more money you give them, the closer you get up in Hollywood. Right? Yeah. You don't yeah. be on the back street somewhere. So I'm hip to that. In fact, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. See, I, in 1983 or so, when I left the band, I finally decided I'd go to college. And I started off, and IBM sent me to college and gave me, and I studied thermomodular nuclear computers. Mm -hmm. And I did my internship for the Los Angeles Police Department in the command center. And then I came out. Everybody, of course, thought I was a police, you know. <laughs> <laughs> they would hide all their drugs from me and stuff. I said, that's on you. <laughs> you want to kill yourself, that's on you. <laughs> and so uh, I got on back, you know, and I started learning. Then that's when I went and studied music theory, sound physics, electronic music. Mm -hmm. I can actually write lead sheets. I've written lead sheets and stuff for, you know, plays and stuff. So I came out of there and I said, huh. And I kept studying. And then when the guys wanted me to come back in, oh, so what I was trying to say is I hacked into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame twice. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> Blame me. <laughs> are, are you guys actually inducted or no? Not yet. I'm in there as a drummer. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyway, this number that you call me, you, we talking on right now? Mm -hmm. Right now? Yeah. The president from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame called me on the same number twice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, cause I, I hacked in, I said, war should not be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame until the power that, powers that be return the name to the rightful owners. Wow. And he called me up and he says, he told me who he was. He says, uh, we're nominating War for Rock and Roll of Fame, but the original members. Then he called me up within 45 minutes of that and repeated it to me. Mm -hmm. That's why War ain't in there now. Until the original members are back out there rolling and stuff. Because, see, Rock and Roll of Fame don't induct. If War is owned by a corporation, that's not a band. Hello? Yeah. Come yeah. on now. Yeah. That's simple logic. Say, logic, we. <laughs> <laughs> and then so because it's owned by a quote unquote Fire Productions. Yeah. Well then it ain't a man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the, the you know, the the uh irony of that. Mm -hmm. And then that's why I try to keep on doing it because I didn't realize what I'd learned when I went back to school till we was in one lawsuit because somebody had you know, used the name and Next thing I knew, we're caught up in these things. And then all of a sudden, uh, one of my buddies, I love him now, but J.G., I call him J.G. <laughs> he says, you, 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 know, you redirected all the business to you. 
Well, that, when I went there and learned HTML and meta tags and stuff in computers, mm. I knew how to go in there and program stuff to when you go and click in and type in it. Hey, like Wikipedia and stuff. Yeah. They betted me years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to let them Stalinize us. Yeah. That's so, the word I learned, Stalinize. That's when, like, when, uh, you know, the communist stuff going to a, a city or fashion, whatever, they knock down, they burn up all the history books so nobody knows the real history. Yeah. Do you, do you ever see that, that ever switching back the way it used to be? It's coming back. I'd say we're literally about a year out. You know, we're about a year out from it. But right now, can't nobody travel anyway. Yeah. When I call up the main people, they get all happy. You know who called? Harold called. Oh, <laughs> oh, Harold called. <laughs> but do you, I be careful. But we do don't you, want you to get an orgasm because I called. Yeah. <laughs> But do you ever see? Do you ever see everything mending? You know, getting back together the way it used to be, and you know, all wounds have healed. Oh, I see it. Everybody that's alive, you know, the remaining members that's alive. Mm -hmm. Lonnie Jordan, Howard Scott, Lee Oscar, BB Dick. Everybody say prayers for BB. Yeah. You know, he had a stroke. You know, back about five or six years ago, or whatever. Because that's why we have to be careful. You know, like coming up to rock and roll business, you got to be. And then that's the reason why I took on a certain state of mind a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Now I think, you know, eating, you know, as far as any kind of drugs and all that crap. Yeah. You have to be careful because mm -hmm. we're in for the long run. And I'm looking for us to get to that point to where we go in and we do one more major. I was talking to Lee and Howard and one of our attorneys the other week. Mm -hmm. That's my out there. Now, whether the other guys see it, I don't know, but the God, Holy Spirit used me for the, I'm the spark plug, because there would have been no wall if I hadn't have went through what I told you when I died on my last $7. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was, I was motivated like that. I moved, I, I, an old man, a couple of years ago, I did something for him, and uh, he came to me, and he's in a wheelchair or something, and he had these little angels made. Mm -hmm. And he told me, this old man, he says, you've got the spirit of a hunter. And I only got so many of these left, I want you to have one. Wow. But then that's what my daddy used to do with us. He used to take us out. I'd be way up in the deserts and stuff hunting. Mm -hmm. I'd look at the hills out there when I was in the Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Civil Air Patrol. I'd be all across the top of those mountains, going to the other side, come on back, and everybody be sitting at the table eating. <laughs> 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 I went to sea school in Hawaii. I studied catamarans and monohulls. There you go. <laughs> and then so I just, you know, God, you know, I, I believe that there's, there's a, you know, there's a master plan. Yeah. Would you? And I stay focused. Yeah. What's that? Would you ever initiate one more run or one another run, you know, as the original war? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it, it's got to be the right timing. And right at this moment, it's not right at the right time. One, because, yeah. you know, we got this uh, pandemic going. Yeah. That's how God works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then I got a couple more issues resolved, you know, legal issues. Yeah. And I can't divulge it, but it's big. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you what, I, when, the, when the people that are up there at the top of the panels, I'll never forget I was there in Beverly Hills, you know, in Wilshire. Yeah. Twin Towers, and they're looking at me, hey, we'll make sure you start getting your money direct. <laughs> and I said, no, 
whatever you're going to pay me, you're going to pay Papa D's family, you're going to pay the Miller family, you're going to pay everybody else. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I'm not your boy. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, I, don't, I don't play that. Hey, being the oldest out of six kids, I was the one that always had to make sure everybody else ate too. Yeah. And then being the quartermaster in the Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, Civil Air Patrol, that was my job to make sure everybody got eight, you know, eight, had a place to lay their head. Yeah. And I'm still that way. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so as a, as a lowrider band. I'm looking for Yeah. So as a lowrider band, what are, you, what are you guys doing? Are you guys working on some stuff? Uh, Lee has got some great music. I wrote a couple of songs. I've given uh, one to Lee. He said when he listened to it, he gets chills. It's called Right Now. Lee's working on his, you know, stuff. Uh, Howard Scott has got his own uh, radio program, podcast on, uh, uh, what's that thing they call it? The blah, 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 blah. Oh, heck, I can't think of it. I can just email it to you. You can let everybody know. But he does this uh, Howard Scott show mm-hmm. on Wednesday nights. He just did a beautiful thing. He did a thing with uh, kids that he had me listen to. They were telling a story, you know, and it goes back into history and its dreams. I'm working on you know, like I do, you know, music and everything else and history. And BB, he's right. He moved back in our neighborhood. He's not far from me. <laughs> <laughs> and and then Lonnie is still doing whatever he can as far as out there touring or doing whatever he can yeah. as war. And then of course all the, the side musicians, which are great musicians. Yeah, they're great musicians. They ain't wrote no hits. <laughs> I keep saying, Lord Jesus, let me have them write one hit. Yeah. Do one hit, then, it's, uh, then we'd make more money because it sell all the rest of our music. <laughs> you still, you still getting, you still getting your royalties no matter what, huh? That's right. There you go. No, nature. Yeah. Cause see, a lot of musicians don't understand the business. Cause you either ASCAP or, or uh, BMI. BMI. Yeah. Or, or, and what about sound exchange? Are you hip to sound exchange? Mm-hmm. Sound exchange? Yeah. There's all that other money, you know, out there. And then you do it right. And I, and one, I don't like these people that turn around and they try to send me an email. One time, about a week ago, I just put it in spam. They want to give you, uh, they'll advance on your money and give you a loan <laughs> on your money. Uh-uh. Do budget. Don't live beyond your means. Yeah. You know, I live right. Below my means, I'm still driving my 98 Ford truck. It needs a little paint job, needs some interior, but it runs like a clock. The name is Thatcher. And, it, and it's paid off. <laughs> and I, and, yeah, it's paid off. And, and uh, what's his name? O-R-G. Uh, uh, what's his name? Dang it, a jazz singer. Used to cruise in that with me, and I drive my old van. Al Jarreau. Oh. Al Jarreau cruised around in that old Ford. Aldro and then uh, and then my old van. It needs this little rusty on the top, but it runs like a clock. <laughs> and then Gladys Knight, MC Hammer, and Red Hot Chili Peppers cruise in that yeah. with me. <laughs> <laughs> and walk, you know, in the low rider band. <laughs> there you go. I know you got. You know, I live below it. Yeah, I know you got a lot, a lot of stories, and uh, you know, I want to hear more. And, and uh, hopefully in time we can do another another interview and go more in depth on these uh, albums that you guys had and uh, hopefully everything does come together for you guys to where the name does come back and you guys can actually go out in public as war and be able to use the name and 
I know a lot of I know a lot of your fans and everybody who's even the lowrider band fans, you know, who are kind of disappointed of the name change, but you know, you guys had to go through these legal issues. And I've read a lot of them before. I've read band is, they were pissed off because you know this, this is going on and this is going on. They had to change the name, and the other gentleman has it. And you know, I guess those are the loyal diehard fans of War. Yeah, but I'm not. You know, I and Lonnie, I love Lonnie. Mm-hmm. I got him as his mother was coming Edwinner. Was walking, and I told her, Edwinner, get him a keyboard. He's going to be famous one day. And sure enough, and then when she transitioned, I went to the funeral. You know. Yeah. And right there, because Lonnie is doing what he knows to do. Yeah. He's doing what he knows to do, and he knows, you know. And as I'm t- talking to you right now, somebody wants the lowrider band. You're full of rich guests. <laughs> they want us to play at Newport Beach. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. No, but it's so interesting, you know. It's it, it's a master plan. Yeah. And everything has got its own time and place. Mm-hmm. And right now, the main thing for everybody to do is just show, you know, stay healthy. Yeah. Show some love. Don't get caught up in garbage and all that bull jive and stuff. Yeah, yeah. All the bull yeah. yeah. Because then that's just, that's not no good. Yeah. And right now, I give God praise that it's a good time where, like even taxes. I walked in years ago over here where they wanted to audit my taxes. Quartermaster Tourism Mine. I walked in and the auditor looked and said, I can't believe this. One of the first artists came and have all your stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> wow. so I studied QuickBooks, Quick, and I studied accounting. Yeah. And it's, it's important. If you're going to be in the music business, you've got to know how to do it. Live below your means. Yeah. Not at your means and above. Live below your means. So that way when give guys these rough times came, I was way ahead of the curve anyway. Yeah. So and I can help others out mm-hmm. when they're in situation. Yeah. But anyway, showtime. That's what <laughs> TOHB is in the house for. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know you got a, a lot of things going on right now, and uh, I want to hear more stories. So hopefully, like I said, hopefully we can do a part two later on in time, you know, in the, na- in the next year. And I want to hear more of these yeah, stories and get and, uh, sure. and go more in depth into the music and stuff. And um, But thank you so much for joining. I, I enjoyed the stories. I'm going to look up a lot of these things that you're talking about and, you know, try to get a, you know, a feel for the history that you know. And um, But we're going to keep jamming out with your music. You know, I got a lot of stuff on vinyl. Uh, of course, I'm going to play a couple songs here that are off the vinyl albums. You know, The War is Greatest Hits. And, um, you know, I encourage everybody to go out there and check check you guys out when all this pandemic, you know, passes. You know, go check out the Lowrider Band. And uh, hopefully one day we get to see you guys back out there as War, the original guys. Uh, I think so. It's going to happen. Just going to take a little time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, hopefully we get together again. You know, you got my number and my email, and I got yours. So, uh, yeah. anything we'll you need, in contact. yeah, anything you need or anything comes up, you know, let me know, and I'll be happy to to help you out. And we'll just set up some more interviews. And hopefully, when if you guys get the rest of the guys in, you know, in the group or something, you know, with Lee Oscar and all the rest of the guys, you know, hopefully we can, you know, get them guys in the interview as well. Well, that would be fun. That would be fun. Nice. All right. Okay. Well, Los Ramos. All right. <laughs> All right, Theo Harold Brown from uh, from Lee of War, and of course the Lowrider Band, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna end a couple with a couple songs here. 
Uh, some of my favorite ones, uh, Southern Part of Texas, uh, Why Can't We Be Friends, and of course, the big hit, Lowrider. Thank you so much, Theo. Yeah, you can throw a little slipping in the darkness. Don't be slipping in the darkness. <laughs> we'll probably throw that one in there. <laughs> you got to slip a little bit in there. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thank you so much, Theo. All right. Talk to you later. All right. the southern part of texas and war right here on the master gold radio show podcast thank you to theo harold brown the originator the founder of war and now the lowrider band we're gonna keep on going with some more music right here we got your 33 on the on the wheels of skills here 
And we got a new one. Well, not a new one. <laughs> throwback. But let's keep it new. Why can't we be friends? Right here on the Mastercon Radio Show podcast on 33. Y'all sing along. be friends from war right here on the Master Gold Radio Show podcast I said thank you to Harold Brown the old Harold Brown doing an awesome job and uh, we're going to do part two pretty soon get into more stories he's got a lot of stories right now we got Lowrider 
Everyone's favorite song. That was Lowrider right there by the by War, right here on the Master Good Radio Show podcast. Like I said, thank you to Mr. Harold Brown, El Tio, out there in California for joining us here. It's an honor to be interviewing guys like that. Old school, been around the business for over 60 years and still going on strong. So I want to thank you guys so much for joining us here. Hopefully you guys have a great week, have a great day, have a great weekend. God bless you guys. Y'all be safe. And uh, if we don't see you guys, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. And on behalf of uh, my baby, Laila Lisa, Lila Lisa Promotions, all of our DJs and affiliates, thank you guys so much for a great year. Thank you to all the artists that we've had uh, the pleasure of interviewing and everybody who's been voting on our Top 20 Countdown, our Top 10 Music Video Countdown, everybody who's been checking us out, MachineGunRadio.com, LilaLisaPromotions.com, and of course on uh, all the streaming platforms, Spotify, Deezer, iHeartRadio, and all the other uh, platforms, everybody who's been sending us music. Thank you guys so much for joining us and being with us here on the Machine Gun Radio Show podcast. All right, we're going to leave you one more right here. And this one's going out to El Tio Harold Brown. He wanted to hear Slipping Into Darkness right here on the Machine Gun Radio Show podcast.
right here on 
Lisa Promotions is your number one source for getting your music heard on the air. For the last seven years, Lila has been distributing artist music to over 50 affiliates across the United States and Mexico. So if any artist wants their music heard on AM, FM, or internet radio, send your MP3 files, bios, and photos to Lila Lisa at lilalisa at gmail.com. That's lilalisa at gmail.com. Lila Lisa Promotions, your number one source for getting your music heard on the air. Thank you for jamming out to Magical Radio's Top 20 Countdown. Time to go. See you later. See you next week. Hasta la vista, baby. MagicalRadio.com, the people's station. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mo. I'd like to say thank you on behalf of the group and ourselves. I hope we passed the audition. <laughs>